What's up, guys? From the heart of Montana, this is Carroll College's student podcast. Big, Big, Big Sky, Sky, Small World. We're a little bit off. Right, yeah. <laughs> and welcome back to another episode of Three Guys, Four Mics. As always, I'm Guillermo with Mason and Johnny. Today we have a very special guest with us, Anthony Ames. Yes, he sir. Is a seminarian at... St. Paul Seminary Perfect. in St. Paul, Minnesota. And there Ooh. you go. Former Carroll student, graduated back in 2020. Uh, what was your major? Well, well, first of all, 2021. 2021. That's Sorry. all right. Oh. Gosh, come on. It was just last spring, man. It's all right. <laughs> all right. It's that, it's that brain. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I, I studied business marketing and management, so kind of basically kind of like an integrated double major, and then I minored in Catholic studies. And now he's in the seminary. Now I'm in the seminary. Tell us about the seminary. The seminary, St. Paul. So I guess the first thing that I should say is um, for the Diocese of Helena, we sent to, well, what's going to be actually three different seminaries. So let's put that out there first. So we have a crew that's out in Denver at St. John Vianney Seminary. We have me and my crew that go to um, St. Paul Seminary in Twin Cities. And we have one guy who's going to be heading over to Rome in the fall. So right now there's three different seminaries that seminarians of the Diocese of Helena are going to. And so I'll just kind of talk about my experience at St. Paul Seminary because I can't really speak to any of the other ones as much. Yeah, so what's the seminary like? I mean, this year this year is just a pretty much an introductory formation year. Denver, they call it spirituality year. St. Paul calls it the propedeutic year. And propedeutic, basically, it just means introductory. It's just a fancy word to, uh, <laughs> to describe that. But yeah, my life, uh, Monday through Friday, I wake up 6.30 a.m. in the morning, go to the chapel, and I live right across um, the hall from the chapel, which is really nice. It makes it easy to get there. Yeah, so 6.30 a.m., we go in there, holy hour. We have a uh, morning prayer at the end of it. Then uh, we go and eat breakfast. We have two classes. All those sessions is probably more appropriate because there's no homework or tests or anything. Uh, we just basically read books, and we talk about them in class, and we talk about, you know, Talk about the faith, talk about scripture, talk about different books like the uh, Divine Comedy by Dante. And yeah, so there's just kind of stuff like that. Then we have mass um, at 11.45 each day, and then we eat lunch. And the rest of the day for us is unscheduled, so it's time to get formation meetings in, spiritual direction, go to counselors uh, at the at the main seminary. And yeah, and then we have dinner. Prior to dinner, we, we usually pray evening prayer together, and sometimes we also do Lexio Divina, so that's just a little time um, spent reflecting on a, on a short, like, scripture passage and just sharing what, what comes to us in prayer and reading and reflecting on that. After that, after dinner, it's pretty much up to you. You can, you can stay up as late as you want but, and, like, keep reading or whatever, but uh, most, most guys are getting to sleep around, you know, 9, 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. So a little different than uh, my college experience at Carroll, where I was up definitely not definitely not going to sleep that early. <laughs> so there you go. So the um, first year, called spirituality year, correct? Yep. They yeah, they call it spirituality year in Denver, propedeutic year, but basically similar similar program. So what does that like? Is that mostly just kind of like a year of trying to really be in silence a lot and lots of prayer, I suppose? Right. No, that's a hundred percent right. I mean, because like I said, every day we spend the first hour of our day in prayer. We have, you know, we have Jesus exposed in the in the monstrance. And so basically what that means um, for anybody who's not super familiar is that we have basically like this stand where we, we take the host um, that has now become Jesus. 
um, the piece of bread that you that becomes Jesus, and we put it in the stand, and um, that's so Jesus is now exposed, and it's kind of like a freezing point in time of this uh, this moment of of the mass where the bread does become Jesus, and it's like an extended period of that. It's kind of like almost like a freeze in time to be just physically with Jesus, and like and for him to be fully like he's fully present in the Eucharist, and so. Yeah, so we have that every day. You know, we have Mass every day, and we also have had two five-day silent retreats where, yeah, you don't really talk to anybody um, except for a quick quick meeting with the spiritual director each morning. And then obviously at Mass, we we uh, pray and, like, we celebrate the Mass out loud. So we don't, we're not silent for that. But everything else, you know, eating meals, yeah, we're not, we're not talking to each other. We're just experiencing the retreat. So. Is that kind of tough? Yeah, no, it definitely to is. To be social and talk. Yeah, it definitely is. There's there's some guys in the house where uh, <laughs> it's definitely harder for some of them, myself included. But there is something really nice about having having like this actual time of silence to allow the Lord to speak. Because in my experience, and yeah, in my, in my experience, I mean, the Lord totally speaks speaks loud in the silence. Um, as funny as that sounds, just like when you have that much, when you have that those many days of of silence and prayer and just like allowing the Lord to speak. Yeah. He, he definitely shows up. It's just kind of crazy. You, you just like kind of enter in this really awesome space for prayer. Um, you're not worried about, not worried about like what's going on next week. You're just like, you're actually just able to kind of relax and just be fully present to what the Lord has for you on the retreat. And that's been a, pretty much the main feeling of the year too. Yeah. We have a, our theme of the year is a, uh, it's object quote Ajis, which means do what you're doing which basically just means that we're just trying to live life moment by moment, like allow ourselves to receive what the Lord has for us in each present moment that keeps coming to us. Um, yeah, so like it, it's really helpful. I just like try to treat each day like today's a new day. I'm going to, you know, I have a certain, maybe I have a certain schedule for the day, but within that day I'm just trying to receive whatever the Lord has and every day is different and pretty much every day is a joy that I've experienced this year. So uh, yeah, so that's how I'd answer that for you. For sure. You want to tell us a little bit about your discernment process? Yeah. Since you're talking a little bit about prayer. I would say, when I, so I guess to start off, my family, I'm one of nine kids, eight boys, one girl. Um, Lauren's the youngest. She's four years old. And then the rest are all up from there. My family, you know, we went to mass every Sunday, you know, like pretty, like faith was really important to us. And uh, my parents were always encouraging um, us boys to be open to the priesthood. And a lot of times it'd just be like, okay, cool, like, yeah, I'll think about it. But it's like, dude, why would I want to do that? I just want to get married and, like, have kids. Like, yeah, I want to just, like, I don't know, just want to, like, live the dream, right? Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it really wasn't until I got to Carol that any thoughts of, like, any serious thoughts of pursuing the priesthood really came up. Um, just getting to be around Father Mark from freshman year, Father Lebsock, I met him freshman year as well because he'd come lift in the in the weight room with the football guys every now and then. And, uh, yeah, just, like, I mean, especially my junior year, yeah, had a really, really awesome time of prayer and uh, just, like, a real, like, saying my heart on fire for the Lord um, experience at uh, SLS 20 in, in Phoenix at a focus conference. And, uh, yeah, since then it was basically what, where my mind was at. Is like I just wanted, I want to figure out, like, what, what God has wanted me to do and I want to be, I want to, like, put my efforts into becoming the man that God wants me to be, whether it's, to be a father that has a family, whether it's be to be a priest or whatever else. Yeah, last two years of Carol, I 
was really, you know, I went to discernment group every week with Father Mark and a bunch of the guys. Um, you know, some of you guys here also, you know, um, my senior year, you guys were in it. So it's good to have you guys and good to be back here again with you all. But yeah, there's just something that, uh, especially in my senior year, as I'm starting to think about what am I going to do after Carol, right? You know, every, every college student has that kind of oh no moment of like, oh crap, I got to start thinking about what I'm going to do after college. You know, like, like this this time of just like taking classes and just like having fun on the weekends and stuff like that. So like, it's like, it doesn't last forever, you know? <laughs> and yeah, just like, I don't know, just like praying about that. The Lord just kind of like slowly, but surely just made it pretty clear that, that, yeah, I want, like, I want you to go to seminary and I want you to like pursue the priesthood. And uh, yeah. And so I just, you know, the Lord like spoke to me very clearly. I was in quarantine for a week at my house and uh at the end, I talked to my parents a little bit about it because I was starting to think more seriously about going to seminary. And then I was brushing my teeth after a really, really solid holy hour um, outside in my uh, carport garage thing. And uh, yeah, as I was brushing my teeth, you know, I just had this moment where I was just like, you know, it was, it was just like this voice that wasn't, wasn't like my own. It wasn't my own for sure, but it was just like, I want to go to seminary. And I was like, ah, oh, you're right. You're right, Lord. Like, I do want to go to seminary. I called Bishop Vetter and I, he was busy. So I left him a voicemail and I was like, Hey Bishop, I heard you want like 50 seminarians. So I wanted to see about adding to that number. And then we met like three weeks later and got, got the application process started. And yeah. And now I'm here about a year, a year out of that, um, finishing up my first year of formation. So. Dang dude, that sounds intense. Yeah. Just like camping, but yeah, that sounds intense. <laughs> Just shout like camping. Shout, shout Stop. out to Ashley. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I guess one of the questions <laughs> that I would have for you is like, what what has been one of the obviously many blessings, but what has been one of the like best parts about being at seminary? I'd say one of the biggest blessings is like I'm living in a house with 15 other guys. Then there's also two two deacons who are in theology four, which means that they're finishing up. They're going to be finishing up seminary formation. And they're going to be ordained priests like this summer. And uh, then you also have Father Floater, who's our who's our formator. And so it's really something to be in a house where everybody's like, you know, everybody's kind of like they got like the same kind of vision, the same mission. Like we're all there to discern if God wants us to be priests and like, you know, what and just to like discern like all that stuff. But the funny thing is, too, that's really beautiful about it is um, this year it's been more about actually just listening to the Lord's voice and just learning how to listen to his voice first and like actually developing a relationship with Christ because yeah it's like if you you know the Lord the Lord uh he'll give you your vocation but he wants you to like he wants you to really just like fall in love with him first like he wants he wants you to like have a relationship with him first because like no matter what your vocation is like it's not gonna it's not really gonna work especially if you're pursuing a priestly vocation you you can't be an effective priest without a relationship with Christ and so yeah so just having all these guys in the same house like you know, we're basically, you know, for all you Carol people, like my room is literally, it's like Trinity, but smaller, you know, like the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, I got a lofted bed, I got a desk and everything. So it's kind of almost like I'm back in Trinity, smaller space, living in a con old convent. Um, so it's kind of got a Charlie's vibe to it too. Let's put a little description to it. But yeah, so we just like, we live in community, you know, we're all going after the same goal and we've, I've really experienced a, a really profound, like like fraternity and brotherhood um, in the house. That's that makes it makes it a lot easier to tackle these big questions, right? These uh, and like to enter into the prayer, enter into the discipline of the life, 
yeah, so that's been that's been a huge grace and a huge blessing for sure. Is like the community um, at the house and at the seminary for sure. How many uh, how many guys are like at the, at the seminary St. Paul? Yeah, this one specifically. Yeah, just like every everybody from from like deacons down. You know what I mean? Or I guess my house. maybe seminarians. Is there like? Oh sure, yeah, yeah, you're right because there is kind of a difference. Deacons are technically not seminarians anymore, but if you include everybody, including the deacons, I think at St. Paul Seminary, I think there's 90 guys in formation. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we have 16 in our house, and then there's like varying numbers um, going up from there. But you know, and in, in formation too. It's kind of explained like for for seminary formation. This is my first out of seven years, but like. Is kind of the minimum. Sometimes you might need an extra year or whatever, and that's not uncommon. But, yeah, so you have this propedeutic year. Um, at least this is how St. Paul does it. You have the propedeutic year or spirituality year. You have pre-theology one and two, which are years focused on philosophy studies, and then you enter into theology studies. So in total, you have, yeah, you have those seven years, first year of propedeutic, two years of philosophy, four years of theology. And in your fourth year of theology, you come back as a deacon, so you start you start helping with like you serve as a deacon during the mass. You every now and then deacons at the mass for the seminary they'll they'll preach homilies. Yeah, so just like and it's last year is a lot of it. It's just prep. It's a lot of prep to you know get out there and start doing ministry. So yeah. How has your prayer developed yeah. since your freshman year at Carroll to now? I think the first first thing is uh, the whole thing of a uh, was it the concept of like a holy hour, like spending an hour with the Lord. That's something I definitely wasn't doing freshman year. It would just be like I pop into the chapel for maybe like five, ten minutes or, you know, I go to mass. But that was in like my prayer rosary or whatever. But that was kind of about it. But like as I got to, you know, senior year, it's like the holy hour was starting to become more of a thing. It was like, yeah, I definitely need to spend this time um, with the Lord. I need to try to get it in every day. But I wasn't very consistent this year. That holy hour, it's now it's now not so much just like an arbitrary amount of time. But I, I try to or I view it as this is actually my time to hang out with Jesus, to let him know how I'm doing, to like let him just kind of like rest with him, right? Um, just like if I were, if I just wanted to spend an hour hanging out with like a friend, catching up because I've been out in seminary and, uh, you know, I want to see how they're doing, right? So it's, it's like it's it's grown into way more of a of an actual relationship versus me just kind of like checking off a list of like, oh, I need to pray X amount of times a day. It's like, no, actually I, I'm praying because I want to pray. I'm praying because I know... Um, this is a relationship with a real person. It's a real relationship with Christ that I'm, I want to grow in. And, uh, yeah, so I guess that doesn't really give you a lot of specifics, but that's just kind of like the overall theme. Now, I guess actual specifics. So we have this thing called the liturgy of the hours. And so you pray at different times of the day. You know, it's, it's basically you're joining in the liturgy and the prayer of the church. So you can pretty much bet that anywhere across the world, there's people praying. They're praying the liturgy of the hours somewhere in the world, like at all times. And so you're entering into the communal prayer of the church. And so, yeah, so on my on my best days, I'll pray all five hours, which is morning prayer, daytime prayer, um, evening prayer, night prayer, and office of readings. But my kind of baseline that I go off of, since I'm only in my first year of formation and I'm not required to pray every single one of them, is like I just try to pick like three of them, usually night prayer, because it's a good wrap up for the day. Um, but that's been much more involved in my life now because I do that at the seminary. And um, so I've kind of like incorporated that more into my own my own prayer, you know, right now. I guess one of the big things that, you know, our society faces right now is that we see priests as these people from outside, like people that are called higher, called 
to a different vocation. What would you say in seminary has been something that, I guess, obviously we know you, so we know you're human. You, you yeah. have fun. You do fun things. Right, yeah. You mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you do your singing and you do your rapping, and that's obviously yeah, very yeah. human. <laughs> but, like, for someone right. who's who's watching you do your formation from the outside, what, what makes them see you as human? You know, I think one thing that, that definitely helps with that, that would, um, is that, especially in my house, there's just a really profound, like pretty profound joy around us, right? With our like media fast this year, yeah, throughout the week, the only day we can have our phones and, stuff and laptops is on Saturday. And so you, one thing you could externally notice is like if we're at a restaurant, we're the loudest guys because we don't have our phones, everyone else is on their phones. And we're just having a good time, like just making cracking jokes, like chatting about what's going on, um, chatting about the things that we don't know that's going on because we can't because we don't look at the news every day. So there's that stuff. But yeah, I think there's like I think especially as I've met like other seminarians at the seminary and like, you know, the other guys that are in the, um, the Diocese of Helena with me, there's definitely a real intentionality in like people that are or like we're we're definitely growing in trying to actually encounter people and to have like real conversation and trying to reach out to people. Like, you know, you could say like evangelize evangelization, but at the end of the day, it's like, I try to hopefully something you'd see in me, I guess, from the external is that, that compared to, I guess you could say like the average person my age, I definitely have more intentional with like trying to say hi to people and like trying to, trying to like, seek out people that uh they might need to might simply just need someone to talk to them and like say hello like i've been doing some street ministry i've been out on about five street walks in saint paul and you're just like walking down the streets and there's not even honestly there's not even like a ton of homeless people out there because you know, it's so cold but um a lot of just like working people and one thing i've realized is that people are just like they're actually so hungry for just like any human interaction you know we're, we're just so like we just get so plugged in with our headphones, um, looking down at our phones, or, like checking everything or just like looking at our phones because we don't want to look at someone else. Like, yeah, that's something that, that we definitely try to grow in because, I mean, especially as we're looking to be priests and like be pastors, be shepherds of the church, uh, we can't do that by looking down at our phones and like we have to actually encounter people and like know how to like foster relationship, <laughs> like healthy relationship with people, with our brother priests and just trying to invite people in, you know. So, yeah. I guess overall, it's like a more intentional approach to like meeting people to relationship. So as you just mentioned, like the media fast you guys do, how has that been? Has that like been a challenge for myself? I've been like, especially during Lent, trying to kind of like less time on my phone, but I, right. just, I just haven't been able to. And it's been hard. So how do you guys like dive into that? Right. I guess because yeah. they take them away, probably obviously. So I guess yeah. That so yeah, you're easy. right. But how do you like struggle with that, or how do you cope with? So I think this? there's there's kind of like two stories in this. Um, basically, I would say the first couple weeks for sure, definitely kind of hard because you know, I mean, there's one hilarious story. One of my one of my friends, um, <laughs> one of my friends uh, that's at the seminary. He uh, he actually we we were looking at a physical map, right? And um, we we're like trying to plan out a trip to like. Probably, I th- it was probably just to like go get groceries or something because we didn't have our phones and he like legitimately it was a physical map he like you know kind of made his fingers like zoom in the map <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, like that's the, hilarious yeah like <laughs> like you would on your iPhone right to like <laughs> to try to get a better look um so <laughs> there's just like 
yeah, the first couple of weeks are it's just kind of weird because you're so used to having it on your pocket. Like, you know, anytime that there's anything that even resembles like a like a ringtone, you like check your pockets real quick and like you realize, oh yeah, it's locked up in the room upstairs. <laughs> but as you go on though, as I've gone on through the rest of this year, Saturdays the one day I get my phone is like the hardest day of the week because I'm just so not used to having it. It's like I have to fight the temptation to like try to check every single thing on like my email, my phone, my text messages, you know, want to make phone calls obviously, but you can only make so many phone calls in a day. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's just so different from the rest of the week. It just, you know, you just realize how, like, I just realize how attached I am to my, to my media. And so I guess what helps for one is, uh, what's helped me is that especially like I try not to, I try my best not to use my phone too much. Like when I'm eating meals with people, I might pull it out to like show them something if, if it's really necessary, but I try my best just like leave it in my pocket, like right now while I'm on break. And it just like, it just takes a little bit of intentionality. I think it also takes a little bit of realizing that everything actually isn't quite as urgent as you think it is. Yeah. If someone like texts me during the week, obviously I won't get back to them to the weekend because that's, you know, I don't have my phone, but you also realize a lot of things where it's like, you know, actually, actually this isn't like a, I don't have to check my phone right now because it's probably not an emergency that, and sometimes there are, but a lot of times though, we just, we just think that we have to check it right now, right now, right now. When in reality, it's like, nope, you can just put the phone down and just like, just enjoy hanging out with your friends or just actually like enjoy a walk without having music playing in your headphones and just like listening to nature outside, listening to the sounds of, you know, sounds of Helena, the birds, the wind, all that jazz. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I think Johnny has a good transition to what we kind of wanted to talk about next. Holy Week, right? Easter, Lent. Uh, what has been, I guess, one of the biggest challenges you've had? Yeah, since being back? Yeah. Or just, yeah. I mean, Holy Week. Holy Week. Talking about Lent, whatever. Yeah. Like one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. So, well, one of the biggest challenges, actually, for Lent, I think it was partially, like, I didn't actually... Well, basically for me, Lent started in January because I've been doing Exodus 90 with some guys. And so... Do you want to explain what that is yes, for I can. people yeah. who don't know? Yeah. So um, for Exodus 90, real quick, basically it's um, it's a program of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. Basically, we take on like, uh, well, you could say like penitential or just like, hey, just take on like challenging things. Like I take a cold shower every morning. Unless I just, unless I'm just too soft and I don't feel like doing it, <laughs> which happens at times. Like I got, I can't, I can't lie. Like it, it's hard. It's hard. Like you wake up in the morning, the first thing you have to face is taking an ice cold shower. So like, it's just like stuff like that. You know, I'm not, you can't use your phone outside of like research purposes or like communicating with family and friends, but like you're trying to cut out all like unnecessary use of your technology. Um, you read through the book of Exodus over 90 days. You, um, yeah, like you have one of the things is that you got to get exercise in three times a week, which, I mean, luckily is not that big of an issue with the guys in the house. Like, you know, a lot of guys like to play basketball and stuff, so makes that a little bit easier. But yeah, so like, there's a lot of things like that, or like no snacking, no sweets. You can only drink, you can drink black tea and black coffee, but you can't add anything to it. You can't drink juice. You got to drink. So basically, I just drink water or sometimes black coffee, like just straight or black tea, just straight. Yeah. So. Uh, so my Lent kind of started in January. Um, so it's it hasn't quite, like, 
I, it's, it actually has probably been like one of the best lengths I have had though. Um, and so leading into Holy Week, the challenge is coming into Holy Week is coming back and like, well, I mean, just seeing like all you guys and like seeing all my friends at Carol and you know, people are like, Hey, I'd like want to, you want to like go grab a beer or something like, no, actually like I can't, I can't do that because uh, I gave it up yeah. for well more than Lent. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, but so yeah, it's like just encountering like the this this area where like honestly like in my house and back in my house it's like it pretty much integrates into the formation. It's not actually I don't think about it most days besides like the well after the cold shower I don't really think about it anymore. But uh, yeah, Holy Week it's just because like I'm out of the house. I'm like you know, back in Helena, you know, just, uh, people, you know, they're just like, Hey, you want like, you want like, uh, you want this like piece of cheesecake or whatever. I'm like, Oh, sorry. I can't like, like, I, I'm like, I gave that up too, you know? <laughs> oh, so it's just kind of like that, those kind of things that made it kind of hard. And also just being at, on a different schedule. Cause like, I don't have a schedule really besides showing up for mass and like maybe one other thing, like we had Tenebrae yesterday, you know, we have like Holy Week service stuff going on for the Triduum. And so, yeah, so like I have to actually be more intentional about when am I going to actually hang out with Jesus today? When am I going to pray? And uh, how do I fit all that in while still, you know, being able to catch up with all my friends and uh, still being able to like, you know, kind of like share my witness and like tell, like show people like, yeah, what what am I up to these days? Um, yeah. How do you make it all work? And so, Luckily so far, like I think I've, I think I managed it pretty well. So yeah, it hasn't really been a huge issue. But it's just like those are kind of the questions that come up. It's like how do I, how do I do that? Yeah, you just kind of have a little bit of a different mode of operating um, once you're in seminary and all that stuff. So yeah, just kind of navigating all that. Um, other than that though, yeah, other than that, it's just like it's a really beautiful week. You know, um, starting off with Passion Sunday or Palm Sunday, you're starting off with our Lord entering Jerusalem, then getting ready to. Uh, getting ready to give his life for us and for our sins and preparing for Holy Thursday where you had the Last Supper and uh, the institution of the priesthood as the Catholic Church celebrates, which as a seminarian is always a good time. I usually have a little get-together for that, and it's always a good time just, like, hanging out with my brother seminarians, hanging out with some of the priests around here. Then you have, you know, then you have, like, Good Friday. Good Friday, I always look forward to that. It's, like, probably the most sobering day of the year, you know. It's, like, like Jesus, you know, he died, and I can like definitely, I can definitely sense that. And you know, you don't do meat on Good Friday. You're fasting, and so it definitely helps me like really enter into that day and into that uh, into that into that moment. Like that, honestly, like a crazy moment where where God allowed it, allowed His creation to well to kill Him and crucify Him on the cross um, in order to save us. And so. Then you have the joy of, of Easter Sunday. You have Easter Vigil um, that we're going to be serving at. And so we start that up around, I think, 8.30 p.m. on Saturday and uh, probably won't finish till about 11 or maybe even midnight. Um, so it's pretty long, probably the longest uh, liturgy we have all year. But afterwards, it's just like it's the resurrection. You know, Jesus has, has risen, and um, we can say that certain word again, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> As, uh, as you guys would know. <laughs> um, and it's just like, it's just, it's always like Easter is just always such a joyous celebration, you know? And so that, like, there's all that stuff to look forward to, too. Being back on campus, what's it been like? What's one of the things you've missed the most? You mentioned that, you know, being in St. Paul, there's a big community, big fraternity. What would you say being back on campus now would be one of the biggest things that you've missed? First off, on just a 
pretty much purely aesthetic um, thing. Minnesota does not have mountains. Minnesota has lakes, a lot of lakes. They have a lot of trees. They have water towers, and they have tall buildings. But, yeah, I mean, like, when I walk from, when I'm walking, you know, from, uh, like, around St. Charles down to, like, the chapel or down to Guad Hill, and I just look out in the valley and there's a sleeping giant covered in snow, like, mm. like, dude, you don't get anything close to that in Minnesota. Like, Minnesota's great, but not, it's not, like, there's a reason why I'm studying for the Diocese of Helena. Like, this place is bomb. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just right off the bat, there's that, right? If there's anything else I miss, it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think I can honestly say I, I put a lot of, uh, like, I gave a lot to, like, the community at Carroll. And, like, it's, and so I definitely, like, when I left in the fall, it's just kind of like my last time before heading off to seminary and um, spending actually the last, like, I think it was, like, the first two weeks for you guys um, starting up, which was kind of funny being there as a non-student and just kind of hanging around and <laughs> saying hi to people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but uh, but just really, like, like, a lot of these friendships, especially, like, my senior year, like, I mean, you three guys for sure, and, like, in a very, you know, you guys are, like, some of my closest friends from your class, right? Like, to come back here and, like, to see the stuff that you guys are doing, right? Um, to see all, well, all my friends, like, the people that I've walked with at Carroll, like, the friends I've made, and the friends, like, I've seen some friends over this trip that have graduated and are, you know, they're moving on with their careers and stuff, and, uh, yeah, it's been, a, I mean, it's just, like, it's a, you know, I kind of miss, there's sometimes where it's, like, I kind of miss Carroll because I love the, because I also love the community of Carroll, right? And, like, I love the people, you know, like, I love, like, it's like Carol has just blessed me so much in my life. And like, it's a huge part of why I'm even in seminary right now. So yeah. So like kind of missing that also makes the coming home, like even that much sweeter. It's just like, you know, as I've been telling some people, it's just kind of been like a train of graces um, since I started driving from South Dakota to Montana, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, just getting to see kind of like, you know, you don't always get to see the fruit of the labor, I guess. And getting to like see you guys and see a lot of my friends at Carol that are still here, you know, it just brings me a lot of joy. We certainly miss all those good times we had the Breath Theater last year. Yeah, yeah, like for sure. You and Alex leading core. Yep. That was always fun. Dude, we should get Alex on next week. Yeah, Alex will be here next week. Yeah, that's oh, right. You oh, can get the back to back. How yeah, by the way, if you don't know Alex, uh, he's my twin brother. He's also in seminary in his first yes. year in spirituality year in Denver. But he'll be here he'll be here next week, as you guys know. So uh, we have an age-old question here Yep. Uh, on three guys, four mics. And <laughs> Classic. Uh, here we go again. I think we're going to have to close it, but we I'm going to draw this out yeah. real quick. So right. Mark Wahlberg. Right. Marky Mark mm -hmm. said IDK. Actually, he said, I don't want to answer. Which but, basically means Which means gorilla. gorilla. But no. It, it, no, no, it totally does. Anyways, gorilla. We had <laughs> Lorenzo on. He said. Grizzly. Grizzly. Obviously. We had Daniel Salion, Grizzly, Grizzly. Who else did we have? Chuck. He's a Grizzly. Grizzly. He's a Grizzly bear. Oh yeah. So it's not looking too good for the gorillas. Obviously, Mason and I are with Marky Mark. Uh, Johnny. You should put put Marky Mark in the middle. You no, Marky Mark. He basically said gorilla. He just didn't want to sound super intelligent. Or he just didn't want to answer the question. He just no, he knew that he would sound like the smartest person and in the actually, room if he said gorilla, and he already had all the attention. If Mark Wahlberg said gorilla unintentionally, 
Mel Gibson. I swear, would have said he looked. He looked me straight in the face, and I could just tell he was thinking Grizzly Bear, but he did not want to disappoint you too. Like, look at him. He's very, literally shaped like a girl. I looked him straight in the eyes. Right yeah. Good. So, the question is, who would win in a fight? A gorilla, oh. silverback gorilla, versus a grizzly bear. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Think about it for a sec. I gotta think about but it. And let me second. just let you know that your brother is on the gorilla side. Is that Nathan. right? Wait, Nathan. which one? Nathan? Oh, Nathan. Nathan. Yeah, they're the but brothers. Guys. That's a very slim like. Nathan's the smartest man I know. And oh, Father Mark is also on the grizzly. On the He's grizzly. grizzly. But again, and Father Ned. We, Father Ned. Okay, we have Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson. And okay. technically, Mel Gibson's girlfriend. You might as well put her on there, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet. She didn't answer the question. Oh, you know man. what? If, again, Marky Mark didn't want to sound too smart by saying gr- gorilla, Mel Gibson would obviously <laughs> be the same. Therefore, Rosalind Ross would be the same. Anyways, back to the question. Yeah, yeah. Anthony, gorilla versus grizzly. Who wins? Who wins? Mm. Do you want, like, specifics on where they're fighting? Or does that matter to you? I mean... Like, in a fight. So, so the thing that's great about this, so there's a card game called Super Fight where you basically answer questions like this for hours on end. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm ready for this. Good. Um, yeah, so, uh, well, location would be, would be interesting. Might throw a little spice in there, but I think if we're just going straight up, like, who's going to win? Man, I, I'm not going to lie for, for one, for at least one reason. For the uh, opposable thumbs. Let's go! I think I got to roll with the gorilla. Yes! Let's go! First one on the pod. Opposable thumbs, I mean, dude, this guy can, like, he can can probably beat the crap out of this grizzly with, like, a stick, a heavy stick, throw rocks at it. I mean, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got to say, it's a pretty, uh, I mean, gorillas are, they're nothing to mess with, man. The silverback is a pretty legit creature. Um, Now, the grizzly obviously has pretty awesome claws. Could probably swipe my head off in one swipe, right? But, nah. But I just I have a feeling that I feel like the gorilla might be able to adapt a little bit more to the combat overall. Like it's just a little bit has a little bit more utility in its in its belt. I want you to know you're you're in the minority. Like no, you're not way minority. Not right now. So not in this room, but total based on what we have asked, who we have asked, and I'm including Mel Gibson and Rosalind Ross and and uh, Marky Mark. The gorilla is currently winning six to five. Asked Let's on go podcast? on the podcast. I don't think you've asked that many people on the podcast. We yet. basically have. Again, if we <laughs> okay, include those people, don't count. If we include Marky Mark, okay. Mel Gibson, and Rosalind Ross, who are obviously gorilla if, fans, if we did a campus-wide like survey, then we it would should. be Grizzly Bear. Gorilla. It would gorilla. easily be Grizzly Bear. All the other people we've asked, it's so like just specifically like all students. They've all like, most, just not most, of them, most of them. Most of them said Grizzly Bear. Uh, Most of the ones we've asked. It hasn't been all the students. See, I, I took statistics in college. I know that a lot of that's BS. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, quick word from Johnny Day. Oh. Yes. So uh, last week we promised an interview with Father Bart and him talking about uh, the Father Stu movie. It's coming out this week to everyone, but it came out to certain people, like certain, there were certain There was a special premiere. Yeah, and so we decided to interview Father Bart about the movie and more specifically Father Stu's life because they were so close to each other and were very good friends. And so we will now play this interview uh, Mason and I did with him. 
All right, and we're here. Johnny and I are here with Father Bart, asking him a couple questions about Father Stu and the upcoming movie about him. I guess our first question that we'd like to ask is, uh, when and how did you meet Father Stu? Yeah, so I was a seminarian for the Diocese of Dallas. I was studying in Houston, and uh, family had moved up to Montana and, and really decided I was really kind of wanted to come up here to, to live. And my brother-in-law had even talked to me and said, I think they need priests up there. And so I was like, well, let me investigate it. So I had... Uh, inquired of a friend who was at Mount Angel about, did he know any Helena seminarians? And he goes, I know a really good one, uh, Stuart Long, and gave me Stu's email address. So we started emailing. That was actually in 2005. And um, he wasn't around. Uh, I came up here for Christmas, and he wasn't around. He said he had he wasn't going to be here for Christmas, which I thought was a little odd. He had some medical tests, but what I, what I found out later is he had a hip replacement surgery. And uh, he did that in Oregon and wasn't around. So I didn't get to meet him then. But finally, we, we kept emailing and finally met him face-to-face in 2006, actually, at Father Mark's ordination to the priesthood. We met at the cathedral and sat by each other. And uh, about a week later, I drove up and spent a week with Stu on the reservation. And we really got to know each other then. How close do you think, like, when did you really start to get like, truly close? Like, what kind of caused that? To be friends? Yeah, like how close you were because you always yeah kind of you know out. I mean okay we we got to be good friends we didn't know if we were going to be ordained together I thought that my ordination might be delayed even by up to a year or two because I had made the switch because I mean Bishop yeah. Thomas was getting to know me the diocese was getting to know me I was still in seminary in Houston so I was going back and forth but Stu you know he was my friend after the reservation we just you know we kept up even if we weren't around and, and when we were in both in Helen at the same time we go to dinner, go to a movie. He loved going to the movies, and I did too. And sometimes we'd argue about it. And um, I was at his transitional diaconate ordination in East Helena in 2000, the end of 2006. And then he got the definitive diagnosis on his disease in 2007, the beginning of 2007. And boy, that no one knew for sure what that was going to mean. And then, you know, found out his ordination to the priesthood was delayed. And I was delayed getting a diaconate. That, that came... And then uh, in the fall of 2007, Bishop Thomas told us both, I'm going to ordain you two together um, in December of 2007. And so once we were on that track, you know, I got to know his family. He got to know mine a little bit. And, you know, being priests together. Now, the first few years of priesthood, he was in Browning and Anaconda, and I was in East Helena and then at the cathedral. And so I was assigned to St. Mary, and when he moved into Big Sky in 2010, back to Helena, um, it was really great because St. Mary had designed their sanctuary with an altar and an ambo that could fit a wheelchair. And they thought, well, maybe someday we'll have a priest in a wheelchair that we'll need to have that. And I was like, perfect, because Stu's the perfect awesome. guy. So I, since I had charge of it, and also it was in my purview where he was living Big Sky, I like gave him some duties at Big Sky that he was more than willing to do. And I said, you know, you got anything lined up? And he goes, no, not really. And I said, why don't you come over to St. Mary and I'll just put you in the rotation. And uh, I'll con-celebrate whenever you celebrate Mass. If you're worried about, you know, having a bad day with your arms or whatever, I'll, I'll be right there and I can help you. And he goes, okay. And uh, his dad, Bill, brought him over um, pretty much every other week. And he did the weekend. He'd help with confessions if I needed help with confessions. He started going out to East Helena and doing some Curcio work and also helping with confessions out there. 
And uh, he'd go around town, people would drive him. He came to Carroll some, talked to the men's discernment group and, and did a few masses here and a few masses at St. Andrew and wherever he could help, mm-hmm. he helped. Awesome. How special was it for you to be ordained with Father Stu? Well, the first thing is, I mean, we're both, you know, I'm not thinking it's more special to be ordained with Father Stu than mm-hmm. to be ordained. Just you in know, general, yeah. Yeah. You know, so you're becoming a priest. And that's a huge responsibility, and you kind of think about it, and it's just, it's surreal, you know. And you still have, you know, I mean, I think any human being, honestly, would say you have a little doubt, you know, about your ability, your capability. Is this really going to happen? And Stu and I had even joked just a few days before our ordination about just doubts we had, and we're going to be able to do this, and it's really happening, and not only for me, but for him especially because of his his disease and. Um, you know, I think the thing that was really great about it, um, I mean, I kind of teased him about it because, you know, I got Bishop Thomas laid hands on me before him. And I said, I'm, I got ahead of you. And um, But uh, at the end, Bishop Thomas said, I want you guys to both say some words. And Stu looks at me and says, you go first. I, was, I wasn't going to argue with him. So I said some thank yous or whatever. Then Stu got up and basically told everyone in our ordination at the end, you know, he had a terminal disease and barring a miracle from Jesus Christ, he the disease was going to take his life. And he didn't know how long he had as a priest or how it was going to work out, but he trusted in God and he wanted to be an example of the love of Jesus even as he suffered in his priesthood. And he hoped people would receive that. And I was like looking at people that had come from my ordination and they didn't even know Stu and they were like weeping. It was really profound. His words, his strong, his beautiful. So that was a great, great moment. Mm-hmm. And he came over uh, to my first mass, and uh, just he was just a good brother, good support, a good friend. He was diagnosed with his uh, disease before full, he got ordained. Yes, full inclusion by myositis. Uh, at one point, they thought he might have Lou Gehrig's, and then they diagnosed polymyositis, and they were treating him with like the wrong medicine for a while, and then in two thousand seven, definitively full inclusion body myositis, and uh, that, that's more of the terminal form of any uh, of that. And uh, yeah, so that was the big, the big sticking point, because Stu was already in crutches in, his, in, in the spring of 2007, when, before we were ordained. He barely, he didn't use crutches for his diaconate ordination, um, but he barely made it. I mean, he was, we all thought, he's not gonna make it, or someone's gonna have to go up and help him, and he made it, but pretty quickly thereafter, he was on crutches. And so along with trying to finish seminary, he's getting all these experimental treatments, these infusions, and he has to go down to L.A. to see a specialist, and it's just a tough thing. I mean, the guy made it through seminary that last semester and got these treatments, and, you know, and they got word, you're not getting ordained. It's tough. Yeah, obviously, Father Stu's story is really powerful. It's going to be really impactful, and we are all, we were both fortunate to be able to watch the movie on Monday, the showing at Sinmark. Did you get uh, some of that free popcorn? We did. Good. It was good. Yeah. I'm proud of you boys. <laughs> of course. Get all the snack you can get. Yeah. But uh, how was that experience for you in the making of that movie? You know, I I mean, we, you know, it was six years in the making, and we had, when it got word that Wahlberg was going to make a film and they had a director or whatever, and we're like, well, great, you know, who knows what this is going to be? And we were all kind of hopeful someone would come out to Helena and talk to us, and no one ever did. And then we asked Bill, and he was like, well, that script didn't work, this script didn't work. And finally, he was just like, I don't think the movie's going to get made. And uh, his, he had an option. He had signed with Wahlberg's company, I think, until like the end of June 
2021 or something or two I, I can't remember it was May or June he's like well in a couple months all the rights come back to me and that's it so I can't imagine they're going to throw mm-hmm. something together in a couple months and then just lo and behold uh, someone said you know look at the Hollywood Reporter and they reported that Father Stu's going into production or Stu is what they were calling it Stu at the time and we were like what and who is this writer director and I asked Bill and he goes well she called me I think a few months back but I didn't think it was going anywhere. And I said, did you know they were going into production? And he was like, I had no idea. And then a few days later, he called me and said, yeah, they're going in production. They have a script, but they want some more information. And he said, you might be getting a call. And I think in the course of a week, I got about four or five calls um, asking some mm-hmm. certain details and things. And would I offer my support? And I said, yeah, I will. I, I first asked Bill, I said, do you want me to offer my support? And he goes, yeah. I goes, I, I believe this. I said, then I'll help. And, uh, you know, I talked through some things. And then it was, it was like, you know, we were told uh, probably by Christmas 2021 they'll be released. Well, nothing, 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 nothing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I get a call in January and uh, I was like told, watch this trailer. And I was like, Okay, it was a it was a FaceTime call. I was like, all right, okay, and I see the first trailer for Father Stu, and I start laughing because it's just funny watching these actors play the real people. So it was a great, and they I was just asked, would you lend your support to uh, promoting the film? And I was like, yeah, I mean, because I think Stu wants this movie to be made, so I'm happy to help if I can. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say is one of, if, or if not, some of the most important things that people not only on campus but across the country after seeing this movie should, can take away from it? Well, I just hope we can laugh at it. Stu loved to laugh. I like to laugh. I've got a pretty wild sense of humor. I don't know. Because every time I crack jokes, you guys are just staring at me like you're deer in headlights. Like, <laughs> what did you just say? What? So I hope people can find the humor in Stu's life. But more than that, I mean, his... Uh, his determination, and despite the fact he had every reason not to even believe in God, he kept at it and wanted to serve as a priest. And the fact that despite his suffering, that he would serve. And once he was ordained, he uh, he just did everything he could um, to keep serving. Kept his sense of humor, kept his joy, um, kept focus on the faith, was straight shooter with everybody. And so... I just think for anybody who's struggling with your faith, with a disease, with fear, with despair, with family difficulties, if you don't believe in God, if you sort of believe in God, if you're a devout Catholic or just a good Christian or whatever it is, or some other religion even, wherever it is, that you might find some hope and say, you know what? This whole thing might be a little bit bigger and a little more different than I made it out to be. This guy is teaching me you can go beyond what you thought was a boundary because he broke all the boundaries. And so maybe I can do this. Maybe I can take a step closer to God. Maybe I can have hope that my family situation can get better or my, you know, even if I am suffering with the disease, that that can get better. And that, that really is what it's all about. So as for the movie um, and, like, Stu's life, what do you think was, like, the most important thing and things they got right in the movie that was like really accurate um and per- like portrayed him the best i guess i think mark Wahlberg got some of the mannerisms that Stu had at the end of his life 
right. I noticed he, I actually had encouraged to really focus on some of the fingers. That that was one of the distinctive characteristics of his disease. And I think he did that really well. Um, I think this kind of conversion that not only Stu goes through, but that also his dad Bill goes through, that really happened. And that was really remarkable. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, how much Stu's life brought his dad back to him and, and brought his dad to faith. I thought uh, Jackie Weaver played a Stu's mom with a lot of pep the way uh, Kathleen really was, and I appreciated that. You know, Stu had the motorcycle accident, he had the baptism, he had the girlfriend, he had the, the determination to go to seminary and to be a priest, and he wasn't the normal seminarian. Mm -hmm. By the way, if anyone doesn't feel like they can ever be a seminarian, just look at Stu. And, mm -hmm. That, that's not an argument because he just broke the mold. He was a great guy, though. I mean, he really cared about people. Really, really did. Mm -hmm. you know, in a very laid-back, sort of generous way. And they got that around the movie, too. Yeah. I, I, I think that whole girlfriend part, I think that's all kind of... That's kind of... It's funny, in a way. And mm -hmm. I thought it was good, but I, I like that big part about his life and, like, in the movie. Yeah. Um, he's like, I'm going to go to seminary. I can't be with you anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. That was, uh, I think they had broken up before he actually made the move to seminary. Okay. I, I don't know what happened. Stu didn't talk a lot about that. Probably out of respect for that. But he did date some girls and he would talk to them about going to, to seminary when he was on dates. And that was kind of not a, you know, not a real smooth move. No. Um, that got him into some trouble on a few dates. And finally he stopped dating and got more serious. All right, well, Father, thank you for taking time out of your day to come and talk to us. Yeah, uh, yeah appreciate it. You're appreciate welcome, guys. It, Good luck. Yeah. Blessings. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Thank, thank you. you. Well, Anthony, thank you for joining us. Thank and you, Taking Tony. some time out of your such busy schedule. Yeah, you're welcome, brothers. You're welcome. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be here with you guys. Yes. Go Saints. Do we want to close Go it out? Go Saints. All right, John Sick. I <laughs> probably shouldn't say that. We should probably get that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 guys, guys. Sco Saints. Sco Saints. Oh. Sco Saints. Got it. Sco Saints. Okay. Oh, well. All right, so. Three guys, four mics. Cool. Thank you for listening. Cool, cool, cool. Welcome.